Okay, we're up to the next church, and that is Sardis, which is church number five. Just before we get into it, two quick things to say. Please remind your group of the various Christmas events that are on. Uh, this is a major time in our culture for reaching people so that they can come under the sound of the gospel and hear about Jesus. And so we need just everyone to be on board. And so there's plenty of things that we need people to be a part of. So could you please just remind your group of the bulletin last Sunday and the list of stuff that's there that we can be uh, together working on. Also, the second thing, just want to thank many of you for coming to the prayer meetings across the region last Saturday. We had just on 70 people uh, praying for an hour, and that's fantastic. We're going to aim for 100 people next time, but we're so pleased with 70. It's fantastic. Well, into the study on Sardis, and this one has a lot to do with what clothes you are wearing. So I think keep that idea in mind. What clothes are you wearing? And uh, we'll see how we go. To the angel of the church in Sardis, right? Remember, the angel we are suggesting is the pastor or pastors. And Ephesians 4, we'll talk about the resurrected Jesus, gives gifts to the church, which are the pastors. And uh, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed saying that, but that's just what it says. And uh, the pastors and teachers are the ones whom God has given to congregations to cause the word of God to, to come to that group. And that's why these letters are addressed to the angel, to the messenger, to the pastor. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So these seven spirits of God, it can be very quick to say, well, that's just the Holy Spirit. It's the sevenfold spirit. And you'd be right because that could be the reference in to the Holy Spirit in chapter 1 of Revelation and verse 4. But in verse in chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and their elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, we have seven spirits, in chapter sevenfold spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit in chapter one verse four, and we have seven spirits or sevenfold spirits in chapter five, referring to something that, that the way that the Lamb is characterized and those go into the earth. So we've got spirits before the throne going into all the earth, the Holy Spirit flooding into the earth. And how is it that he floods into the earth? Well, We've got the next description here and the seven stars in his hand. The linking of the seven stars and the seven spirits, the heavenly seven, shines, this is the idea of the heavenly seven shining through the earthly seven. That is, the Holy Spirit floods into the world through the angels of the churches. The light of heaven shines through the angels of the churches through the preaching of the word. So as a church hears the word preached faithfully and um, truthfully then, and in a way that really does uh, cut then and comfort, then there is a light that begins to shine from that church. And all of this is in Jesus' hands. Now, there, how is this relating to Sardis? 
Well, Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So here is the idea of life is when the heavenly seven flow through the earthly seven. This is heavenly life flowing into the earth. But here we have a church that is not communicating or not a conduit for that heavenly seven. Uh, the outside looks good, but the inside is dead, dead rotten, a type of hypocrisy even. There are deeds, but the deeds are dead. And these deeds that characterize them are faulty. In verse 2, the solution is to wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. And he says this, because I, I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Now remember, wake up. Ephesians 5 will say, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And when Christ shines on you, you become a light uh, to the world. Their deeds look like lights, look like good on the outside. They have a religious look to them, but on the inside they're dying and incomplete. Now, you've heard of people who've looked healthy and good but then dropped dead for some reason. You find out later what was wrong. Oh, there was something on the inside we couldn't see. Well, here is Jesus pointing out for this church, hey, you're asleep. The diagnosis is serious. You're going to die. And you've done work, but it's incomplete. You've done deeds, but they're incomplete. And uh, I don't know what might this have looked like. We get an idea from the remedy in verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Now, uh, I, I suppose what they've received and heard is the message from the angel, from their messenger, from the pastor, uh, as he communicates the word of God to them. And the word about Jesus uh, is that word that they've received and the gift of the Spirit is what they've received. So that's my suggestion there. Jesus says, But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I, I will come to you. So the whole idea of coming, waking up and coming like a thief is found in Matthew 25 and Luke 12. And we find there that there are... The, the virgins, the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom and they take their lamps and their oil. Some take extra oil and are ready. Uh, when they hear the call, they're ready. The other five, they're not ready. They've run out of oil and uh, they miss out on the bridegroom. So there's this real sense here that this church could miss out on being all that it's called to be, to be a light to the nations. Uh, it is doing things and it looks good. It has a reputation of being alive, uh, but it's actually dead. You can remember, you can think of churches that that really look like they're thriving. Maybe that's our church. We need to ask the question. We need to pray and ask whether we are thriving on the outside, but actually dead on the inside. Uh, when he says that uh, I will come like, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what time will come. That's because you're asleep. And uh, Jesus talks about coming like a thief. And I don't know if this is related to his second coming because he's already talked about this and it was related to the resurrection and the ascension. But I think it also might um, have some present application uh, 
I'm not sure. That's one to think through. Uh, it, from that extended sense, it certainly does mean the, the second coming as well, but I think it might mean more than that. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15 says Jesus... Um, uh, sorry, uh, verse 15 says, Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Hence, we're coming back to the being clothed that I was mentioning before. So waking up and staying awake is to remain clothed. And so verse 4, Yet you have a few people inside us who have not soiled their clothes. Uh, they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Uh, Matthew 22 talks about the wedding banquet, and one is invited and then but spotted that he's not wearing wedding wedding garment. Uh, and this is a reason for him to be thrown out. So it's almost as if he has or she has the words of salvation, but not the works of salvation, not living it out. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 13 there is the angels asked, one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? And John answers, sir, you know. Oh, excuse me, that was a yawn. Ah, it's late. Anyway, and uh, these are they who've come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice that just get that idea of their robes are white. They're made white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 19, verse 7, says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. And then there's this explanation. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So what we're seeing here is to be awake, is to remain clothed. To have clothes on that are soiled, is to not be wearing the righteous acts that God has given for us to um, to do. So remember, Ephesians two eight to ten, that's uh, to chapter two verses eight to ten. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves; it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But then verse ten goes on to say, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So we don't do good works to be saved, but we do do good works when we are saved. And the good works that we do are these ones that are given to us by God for us to wear. We wear these good works. This characterizes us. This, this is what we're clothed in. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and the righteous acts of Christ. And we are to live out this. And I think these sorts of righteous acts have got to do with uh, promoting the gospel and making the gospel known. So certainly it's going to be love and uh, and readiness and evangelism. It's going to be care for others. It's going to be all sorts of things. Verse 5 says, The one who is victorious will, like them, that is, those who are wearing the uh, the garments in verse 4, and not soiled themselves, uh, like them, will be dressed in white. And when he says, I'll never blot them out, blot, blot out the name of that person from the book of life, which we find later on in Revelation, but I will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Remember that they will be dressed in white, and that dressed in white 
is fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. And what was it? The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So good deeds, good works often get bad press because we worry that people will think good deeds will save them. Uh, but no, we, we want to say we're not saved by good deeds, but we are saved for good deeds. And these good deeds are what we are dressed in. And as we live out these things, we're, we're living and awake and dressed in righteousness, dressed in good deeds. And these complete good deeds are deeds that promote the resurrected and reigning Jesus. Um, uh, we, we, don't, we don't obey to be blessed. Obedience is the blessing. And so to live a life of obedience, of generosity, of, of putting ourselves out, of hospitality, all those sorts of things, uh, it, it's not the vehicle to the blessing, it is the blessing itself. So there's a prayer that Augustine wrote, but I think he got it from someone else, uh, what, it, talking about in whose service, uh, in the service of the Lord is perfect freedom. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, that was a pretty long one, and uh, we had 13 minutes, but um, there is a lot in this passage, and probably worth listening to this again and then going through the passage slowly. But overall, get the idea of clothing and clothing in the acts that God has given us to do. That's the clothing we wear. That is to be awake, um, to be, to have acts, as to be covered in acts or to be covered in deeds that are half-hearted or uh, not promoting Jesus' glory is to be asleep. And to be asleep is to miss out when the thief comes and we will miss out on uh, what he has for us. Well, there's a lot in that one. Nice short one, but packed uh, maybe with a bit of a punch as well. That was Sardis. Hope you go well and um, see you next week. Talk to you next week. See ya.